Hello, and thank you for checking out this episode of the From the Frontline podcast. Each episode, we'll be interviewing a key voice from the NHS or social care to discuss some of the key challenges and changes that impact the treatment and care we all receive. Throughout this podcast series, we'll be answering some of the big questions which face health and social care today, such as why are there massive delays in A&E, how do we beat the NHS winter crisis, and how can we make the future of digital health accessible for all. We hope that you'll finish each episode knowing a little bit more about the major NHS headlines and what needs to change if we are to deliver the best possible care for everyone in the UK. The From the Frontline podcast is brought to you by Healthcoms Consulting, who are part of the PLMR group. We hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we are going to be talking all things a national care service and what that might mean for England. This conversation comes particularly in light of Labour's exploration of a national care service and the announcements that came at the recent Labour Party conference. Uh, We're delighted to have Camille Ong from the Nuffield Trust with us on the podcast today. Um, Camille, before we talk about um, Labour's announcements, their consideration of a national care service in particular, I know that this is an area of social care policy that the Nuffield Trust has been exploring in quite some detail, particularly looking at um, the different routes that different devolved nations within the UK are taking when they consider the challenges that are posed by social care. It would be great to just get a little bit of background on that, what that work has looked like um, and what those models and what those different avenues of exploration look like in the different devolved nations. Great, yes. Yeah. So, um, so as you mentioned, I, I work at the Nuffield Trust. So we're a health and social care think tank, and the majority of our works um, focuses on building evidence around key issues in health and social care, um, which is where I focus the majority of my work. So, just as a reminder, social care describes the activities that support people to maintain their well-being and independence, and that includes both you know, care homes, which often the debate focuses on, but also much broader than that. So, care at home, and also all sorts of activities to support the, the things that, that you know that they enjoy. But what we've seen when we've monitored uh, the social care system in England is that there's lots of challenges that the system is facing today and the system, the English system isn't delivering the care and support that people need. Uh, and so we've ended up looking a lot in our research to to other countries to see whether or not there's anything that we could learn as part of our reform. So we've done lots of work on the social care systems of countries such as Germany and Japan but also in terms of our international comparative work, we've been looking a lot closer to home. So social care in the UK is, is devolved uh, and we've done lots of work to explain how the different social care systems across the UK differ uh, and how there are different benefits. So for example, in, in Scotland, you're entitled to free personal uh, and nursing care, regardless of your age. Um, in Northern Ireland, you're entitled to free domiciliary care. So the other systems in the UK are potentially more generous than the English system. And so, even though there are differences across the four systems, what we've seen is that there has been a recognition that their social care systems are not performing as well as they should, and all of the systems are in need of, of reform. Uh, and so each of the four countries has recently put together some long term reform plans to, to reform their social care systems and, and notably introduce the concept uh, in Scotland and in Wales of a, of a national care system or national care service. And so we've really got this natural experiment of what's happening across the UK to see how you can successfully or not so successfully reform your social care system. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that overview. I mean, it's a fascinating time uh, to be thinking about the structural changes that are going on in the social care system. Um, I suppose more broadly, there's a might be a well be a sense of a necessity um, on the basis of the current state of social care um, to enact reform um, based on the challenges that you've mentioned. I suppose for lots of our listeners, and certainly for me. Um, it's hard not to draw the comparison just in terms of the language that's being used between a national health service and a national care service. Um, and my guess is that, particularly from a political perspective, there might be an attempt to equate the two or to try and win um, win favour amongst the electorate by equating one with the other or trying to style the two systems as being of uh, being formed in a similar manner, I suppose. I just wonder from your perspective and the research that you've undertaken, when we talk about a national care service, um, what are we actually talking about? Uh, is it as all-encompassing as something like the NHS? Um, is it quite selective? You mentioned uh, just at the start of the conversation that care is incredibly broad in terms of the apparatus that it uses and the different forms that it takes in our society. I just wonder how that would equate to something that at one level might be much easier defined, like a national health service, for example. Yeah, and it, it really does vary across different definitions. So I think the concept of a national care service isn't necessarily a new idea and what, it's, what it means has really varied over time. There's no standard definition. And in fact, different political parties in different countries have proposed you know, different versions of, of what a national care service is, is going to mean. Um, where there has been some consistency is around certain things such as national visibility and shared standard setting, um, but not necessarily about increasing the, you know, what people are entitled to similar to the NHS. Um, so one example that we have is what's happening in Scotland at the moment. So Scotland is the, the first country in the UK to legislate for a national care service. So they brought legislation forward this year um, after an extensive consultation. Um, and so the intention is to bring forward more consistency and quality by setting out a national vision, national standards and a national direction for the social care system, which would then be translated to a local level. And the biggest change introduced is the removal of responsibility for social care from local councils and then placing that with Scottish ministers. And so that the intention to do that is to bring visibility of social care to a national level, more incentives for ministers to drive change and improve the system. Um, as they felt that that wasn't necessarily the case to date and that might look a little bit more like the Scottish NHS but it doesn't necessarily sound in terms of what a person who might need social care will actually experience in terms of the NHS. Um, so what it doesn't do is it doesn't bring in at present any changes to what people are entitled to in terms of support so people are still subject to eligibility criteria uh, and personal and nursing care which as I mentioned earlier is free in Scotland will remain free as it, as it has been um, so it is more generous than what the English system uh, is currently at in terms of, of uh, in terms of the of what you're able to access, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will look like the NHS for the the person that's trying to access care. On the other hand, you have Wales, who are currently now investigating how they can bring in a national care service, which would be free at the point of need. Um, and so they've committed to bringing forward this plan for implementation by the end of 2023. So you can really see the differences in terms of Wales and Scotland and where the emphasis are, emphases are for, for the design of a national care service. Um, and so it's really important to be clear about what a national care service might look like for the people, for the public that might depend on, on social care. And I suppose 
in terms of where Labour's exploration of a national care service fits into that those kind of definitions. Um, it'd be great to get your sense on, firstly, what that looks like by comparison in terms of what Labour is proposing from what we know, um, but also why Labour is exploring this as an idea. What are the key benefits that the Labour Party uh, sees from this proposed change? But also, I suppose, from your understanding of the way social care currently operates in England, what the challenges in its implementation might be. So West Reading at the Labour Party, Party conference uh, a few weeks ago mentioned um, the concept of a national care service and the intention to create a national care service fit for the 21st century um, as they created a national health service fit for the 20th, 20th century. So there is again that similarity with, with, uh, with the NHS. Um, and the intention is to introduce stronger national standards uh, and a priority of introducing better pay and terms and conditions for social care workforce and people who work in social care. So Labour have proposed a national care service since 2009, um, but there's not always been a consistent definition of, of what that might look like. What, ha what there has been is some idea of national standards, uh, some consistency, uh, more prevention and personalised care, fairer funding, and also better access to um, information and advice. Um, the Fabian Society are currently consulting on what the shape of, an, of a national care service might look like. Um, it's also included in some cases in expanding what type of, of care, what amount of care um, the state funds. So, for example, in offering fr free personal care. But we don't really know at this stage what the outcome of the consultation is, be, is going to be and where the, you know, the, the emphasis of the National Care Service is going to look like. And so how effective Labour's National Care Service will be will really depend on how they design and crucially how they implement it. And so you won't need to also just focus just on the structures of what a National Care Service is, but also addressing all of the dimensions of social care. So including its funding, um, its you know social care staff, provision in social care and care companies, uh, and not just tinkering around the edges of, of reform as we might have seen in previous attempts to reform social care. In terms of benefits of a national care service, I think there could be quite a few. So definitely in terms of raising the visibility of social care to a national level, um, having a national care service would signal more attention given to it politically. It could create some national consistency across the country and um, introduce national standards and imp improve the quality of care that the system provides. But there are also going to be some risks. So we have to be realistic that it's going to take some time. And we've talked already about the confusion with the NHS and the fact that the National Care Service could mean lots of things, but especially if you're not going to have an NHS and a National Care Service, which are both free at the point of use, you might have lots of confusion for people who might be trying to navigate between the two systems, as is already the case today. So Labour will be really will really need to be clear about what they mean by a National Care Service and the ways in which they're going to implement it. I suppose um, my initial thought in my understanding of the way that the social care system is currently set up in in England is that there's very much this mixed model in terms of private provision, uh, not-for-profit provision as well. Um, in terms of the challenges that Labour would face in terms of, while it might not be going full-scale, kind of free at the point of access for all in terms of an equivalent to the NHS, um, long-term pretty radical change would be required if there was to be some kind of national uh, oversight of elements like pay and standards that we've already mentioned. I just wonder 
um, whether there is anything particularly about the English setting that might make it more challenging potentially to implement a national care service than we might find in the devolved nations like Scotland or in Wales? The English system is very big and very complex and very fragmented. Um, and it's got a mix of providers, so companies who provide care between companies that are private, uh, whether that's not for profit or for profit, whether that's small care home providers or large companies which are potentially backed by private equity. So there's a huge variety of different providers across the system. And as a result of that, you know, people who work in care are also very fragmented. They're not necessarily very easily identified. And just with the sheer number of people who work in care, it's almost 1.6 million. Um, that's a huge number of people to identify and to, to support. So it's true that compared to the other countries in the UK, which are potentially smaller in terms of absolute scale, England has a, quite a big challenge in terms of trying to address all of the different um, challenges that, that, you know, that are currently facing the system uh, and trying to implement long term change. I think as well, one thing that's interesting in these conversations is that party conferences are a great time, particularly for an opposition party to outline its long term vision um for a particular sector and in this particular instance labor chose to focus on a national care service as one of their key flagship policies for what the social care system under a labor government might look like inevitably prior to the implementation of any widespread reform there are immediate challenges facing the social care sector um, we've heard a lot in our political discourse and from uh, clinical leaders across the NHS of the current challenges around patient discharge from acute settings uh, into social care settings in the community more broadly. In terms of those immediate challenges and what the current government, let alone a future Labour government, what their priorities and key focus, key points of focus uh, and key actions should look like in the coming months, what are the key elements of that that you've identified and would recommend? So you mentioned discharge from hospital. So we just published some analysis actually just this week about um, discharge from hospital that shows that, you know, between April 2021 and April 2022, the number of people stuck in hospital because they couldn't be discharged went up by 57%, which is huge. And on top of that, you know, we are going into winter again. We're seeing rises, rising cases of COVID and flu, and we expect that the system will be under pressure even more. Um, you know, spending per head in social care has fallen in real terms in the last 10 years, and councils are, again, very worried about having enough to make ends meet. Um, we talked about the size of, of you know, the workforce that works in social care, but there are 165,000 vacancies according to Skills for Care. So we know that we don't have enough staff to be able to make the system work. And it's likely that, you know, with things like the cost of living, people are even less likely to want to take up employment or stay in social care when pay isn't very high and there's potentially competition from other sectors such as retail, such as, you know, supermarkets who might be able to offer more attractive things to staff. So it's really important that we think about how we keep people working in social care and can recruit more people to work in social care as well, but making sure that those terms and conditions are fair for people coming into the workforce. And we talked about cost of living. Companies who provide care also have to heat their homes, whether that's, you know, 
an individual person who receives home care or whether it's a care home that needs to also pay its bills. So we need to make sure that all of those companies, all of those small providers can also stay afloat. Um, so yeah, over the coming months, we really can't leave the sector to weather this crisis alone. We, he we heard from Liz Trust that 500 million pounds were going to be allocated over winter to help with the discharge process, but it's really not very clear whether this will be enough. You know, it's really important that we have proactive action, both at a national level and also at a local level to support staff who work in social care, to provide companies who provide social care, because we really can't face letting down, you know, the people that the social care system supports. Camille, thank you so much for your time uh, today on the podcast. Uh, it's a fascinating um, area of discussion and one that no doubt with the publication of the Fabian Society consultation, we'll hear a lot more about in the coming months. Um, for all of those listeners um, who work in social care, we hope that you found this conversation interesting. Um, and as I say, it's certainly something that we would look to follow up on in the coming months. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the From the Frontlines podcast. If you have any thoughts about our conversation or would like to get involved in a future episode, please email fromthefrontline at healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. If you'd like to chat about our work as one of the UK's top health and social care public affairs agencies, please visit our website, healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. Thanks again for listening.